This week on the Federalist Radio Hour. In some cases, this means getting the government out. And in some cases, it means asserting the government more where it needs to be asserted and where its proper role has been pushed to the back burner. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Dana Lash's Absurd Truth Podcast. I want to set this up. Because, again, I don't even know why it's the Women's March anymore, because doesn't the left say you have to be a biologist to be able to even to say women anymore? I don't know. So this is Harvard Children's Hospital. This is a wild soundbite, and it's a little long, but it's worth it for you to hear. So Harvard, uh, well, it's in a Harvard-affiliated children's hospital. There's a lot of outrage, understandably, from this. It is a bizarre, whacked-out claim. And what they what they say they were kind of they're in a scandal over the age for gender transition, whatever surgeries. And the hospital had denied that minors were allowed to undergo irreversible surgeries, etc., whatever. But now in this deleted video, Boston Children's Hospital, they suggested that an even larger number of minors actually know that they're transgender as soon as they can talk, I mean, like even in the womb, listen to this because it's this woke Boston psychologist claiming that tra- from Boston Children's Hospital has their logo and everything on it, that trans identity is known from the womb. Listen to this. So most of the patients that we have in the GEMS clinic actually know their gender, usually around the age of puberty, but a good portion of children do know as early as seemingly from the womb, and they will usually express their gender identity as very young children, some as soon as they can talk. They might say phrases such as, I'm a girl, or I'm a boy, or I'm going to be a woman, or I'm going to be a mom. Kids know very, very early. So in the GEMS clinic, we see a variety of young children all the way down to ages two and three, and usually up to the ages of nine. When they come into the clinic, they'll see one of our psychologists and we'll be talking to them about their gender. We'll be talking to their family about how to best support that child and how to make sure that that child has the space and support to explore their gender and uh, do well throughout their development. And we'll be answering any parent questions. A lot of parents do have questions. And so we answer those questions. The biggest piece of advice I give parents uh, who are coming through the gender clinic at Boston Children's Hospital is to just be supportive. Um, Sometimes you might not understand sometimes you feel like you don't know the terms or you don't this is so weird so there's a child a a psychologist who came out and said it's you know look it takes years for your baby to become their own person red state had this child psychologist lorna marsh who wrote when they when they're first born your baby is dependent on you for every need and they will think that you and them are one and the same your baby's aware only of their immediate needs and that that's they they spend the majority of their time trying to just gain basic control over their movements and reflexes and it is the idea the argument that an unborn infant knows the difference knows the concept between male and female in a world it's never seen who boy that is some serious serious craziness how, how many times do you ever hear a two-year-old or a three-year-old say something absolutely ridiculous? Like, oh, like any time every I'm other around. sentence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Every single time that yeah, I'm around a toddler. Yeah, exactly. My own kids when they were that age. I, that's just that's just how they are. This idea that it, it's been actually described by some psychologists as quote hysterical contagion, and they say that's why it's so prevalent in society that. 
even some scientists who aren't actually practicing science can be prevailed upon to dismiss common sense or scientific theory or et cetera, et cetera, which is true. I tell you the most val- one of the most valuable classes I ever had. I had two super valuable classes that I actually learned from one was in college and I took, I don't know how many semesters of logic. And the first though was actually as a senior in high school, I took a, it was an elective. I took a class on mass hysteria. You had two options that semester, current events or mass hysteria. And I thought mass hysteria sounds fascinating. Let's take that. And it was, and this is kind of, really, it was sort of a prelude to everything that we see now. I think it was one of the most valuable classes that was ever, I think every high school should teach it now. Because that's exactly what all of this is. It is this hysteria contagion, and that's mass hysteria. It is, Psychology Today said that it's like the shared psychosis. People behave and think erratically. Um, Red State talked about this June bug epidemic of 1962 in which a mysterious disease spread among workers at a textile factory. And after scientists and medical experts looked at it, they found there was no disease and the workers literally fooled themselves into believing that they were sick. It was a social contagion brought about by a high stress work environment. Now, I, I, I mean, I don't I don't discount that there's a social contagion in gender dysphoria. I mean, there should be we should have research into this, honestly. Gender dysphoria is already classified as a mental illness. And so now you have this massive number of claims of uh, transgenderism, which, again, gender dysphoria is classified as a mental illness. The media is obsessed with it. It's all over social media. You have that's being promoted in schools. So, yeah, I think you could definitely absolutely say it seems like it's a social contagion. It's mass hysteria. But the idea that babies. That babies know this stuff. I was reading this story and I actually was just trying to find it on my notes and I thought I had saved it, but I think I mistakenly did not. But it was this woman. She's an older woman. She's in her 50s. And she was saying that when she was younger, she was a tomboy and she still kind of is, you know, she's uh, married and has kids and she worked as a welder. I think she's retired now. She's like in her early 50s. She worked as a welder. She said she was a major tomboy when she was growing up, loved wearing overalls, loved going out and doing stuff boys did, um, loved to hunt and all this stuff and just would love the mud and the bugs and everything. If you're and she said, I'm so glad you've heard me talk about Caltech that I grew up when I grew up. She said, because one of my if I had grown up like that to today, firearms. privately owned family companies, Caltech has been very one of a kind of attributes firearms would have been used driven to by creativity. Caltech doesn't just copy my weapons on the market. They innovate new and ones, that's a really good point the new p50 the p50 and it comes back to this is based around a 50 round double thing that i magazine, this, which this lays thing that i've been i've said before the, the grip if i and i remember the story where you had from leftist activists who were saying that with how easy identifying it smooth boys and girls well balanced like in retail accurate. like retailers like target or walmart or something like that using you know the stereotypical pink and blue range but to denote for girls things boys things find out more sexist and that there needed to be like a gender neutral yellow Products, and all of this stuff and that all of those things that previously weapons had been Keltec used to identify firearms to help secure females or had Keltec been associated with females or even that with males ironically now those same people claim that if the opposite sex has a preference for those or even likes those attributes then that means that they are not the sex that they were born as which it is an oxymoron. It's sexist to use those attributes 
to represent male or female, but you can then simultaneously use those attributes to judge someone's sex, regardless of... That's ridiculous. And it's just one of the ways where you have this... this they, they consume themselves with their own illogic. If you're a regular listener, then you've heard me talk about Keltec and all the reasons why they're one of my personal favorites when it comes to firearms. Privately owned family company, Keltec has been making one of a kind American made firearms since 1995. Driven by creativity, Keltec doesn't just copy other weapons on the market, they innovate new ones, including the new P50. The P50 platform is based around a 50 round double stack magazine, which lays horizontally along the top of the grip. The 5.7 cartridge comes in several variants from sporting, hunting, to personal defense, and with how easy it handles its smooth shooting because it's well balanced and thus accurate. You can definitely see Keltec's reliability and quality at work. The P50 is fun on the range, but it's also great for serious home protection. To find out more about the P50 and all other Keltec weapons, and products, check out keltechweapons.com. That's K E L T E C weapons.com. Keltech, creating innovative quality firearms to help secure your world. Keltechweapons.com. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Keltech. So, a herd of wild horses apparently has moved into an iconic California destination out in Mammoth Lakes. And it's out in the Sierra Nevada, east of Yosemite. And they now everyone's wondering what's going to happen. You know, they've been culling some of the herds of these wild horses. Uh, but there's been a, a whole bunch of others that have moved in here. And I was, I just, you know, keep an eye on that. I little, get a little nervous about it. Uh, also, CNBC says the top 10 most neighborly cities in the U.S. Apparently only one's in the South. And I'm calling shenanigans. Uh, the number one most neighborly city, they said, Kane is Rochester, New York. Um, no. Uh, Madison, Wisconsin is number two. Provo, Utah, three. Oxnard, California, no, is four. Grand Rapids, Michigan, five, no. Raleigh, North Carolina, six. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Poughkeepsie, New York. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Des Moines, Iowa. What? Okay, has has the person who made this list ever traveled? Apparently not. So I guess I don't hate the Eagles. uh, Just because I'm I'm not going to even pretend that I don't think find this funny. Washington Examiner says Jill Biden was booed by Philadelphia Eagles fans before the game against the Cowboys. And uh, yeah, they said it was very audible. It was at Lincoln Financial Field in a Phillies pregame Sunday. They said that Biden attended the Eagles game as part of NFL's they have a cancer initiative, their crucial crucial catch campaign for cancer. She uh, says she was a Philly girl and all this stuff, and she was audibly booed, which I know audibly booed is kind of redundant, but I mean, when it's loud enough to be picked up by cameras, that's loud. And they said being an Eagles fan did not save her. That's what one commentator tweeted. All right, so coming up, anime is not satanic, and also... I don't pay attention to a lot of these uh, makeup podcasts. I have some friends who do. And you you guys know, well, the guys may not know. The ladies do. Ulta, the story of your Sephora and your Ulta, right? And Ulta is apparently feeling some pain because they had a podcast with two men in makeup and wigs chatting about what it's like to be a girl, according to PJ Media, for one of their big things. They came out 
with a tweet over the weekend saying, and they, and can we stop doing the emoji claps after every word? They were saying trans girls can do it all. Tune into the latest episode of uh, The Beauty Of, where host David Lopez sits down with guest Dylan Mulvaney to chat all things girlhood. So you have two guys sitting down talking about what it is to be a woman. It's woman face. Would you accept two white people sitting down talking about what it means to be black in America? Hell no. Why would you ex- why would you accept two men sitting down discussing what it means to be a woman in America? This is woman face. It is a total appropriation. It is offensive. One of the dudes has a beard, by the way. But he's got long hair and he's wearing some makeup. And they're, I mean, oh my gosh. It, 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 looks like a, it looks like a gross caricature. It's a gross caricature. So here you don't have women's voices at all in this. You have two guys discussing what they think it means to be a woman in America as a mother, as a woman. And that so Ulta is getting so much heat from this and I am here for it. They've been getting super woke. I think even more woke than Sephora. I've never thought I'd actually say that. They have been getting ridiculously woke. And I am I am so happy that they're getting some heat over this. It's woman face. It is absolute this is the new misogyny. I think it's a, an entirely misogynistic movement, by the way. I think the phrase turf is a sexist, misogynistic slur that is used to silence women and devalue females. And now you have these two dudes sitting here with Ulta Beauty talking about what, man, this, I don't do boycotts, but I, I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to be able to ever like purchase anything from Ulta. I don't trust Ulta to know what makeup for women is if they don't even know what it, what you should have talking about two wimp what it is to be a woman. Man, what a weird it's woman face. That's exactly what it is. Oh man, they've been hiding replies like crazy. And so everybody's been quote tweeting it. It makes me not want to go to Ulta. I mean, not that I like do a lot anyway. I mean, so I just um Wow. It is a, it's misogynistic. It's a misogynistic movement. They, and there are all these there are all these videos that they've been like someone said, I didn't go through 41 weeks plus one day of pregnancy, 47 hours of labor, 18 months of breastfeeding, you know, uh, um, all that goes with that sleepless nights, all of this for men LARPing as women to get them to call themselves mom. And I get chest feeder and uterus haver. Nah, preach, 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 preach. This goes back to what I was telling my sons. You know where feminism came from? Progressive men like this. Progressive men created feminism. It was the progressive men who didn't want women to vote. You had women out there owning more property and making more money than these progressive men who did not want them to have the right to vote. Susan B. Anthony was about as conservative and pro-life as a day is long. Progressive men didn't want her and others to have a voice. Progressive men created that movement. Now, absolutely, it was hijacked and turned into something that created this. 
this misogynistic movement that you would not have without third wave feminism. First wave was, let's, can we vote and just be able to have property so we're not abandoned and in the streets eating dirt after our husbands die? Can we please have that? Fine, great. But when you're getting to the point where you're actually running women out of women's spaces and you're calling yourself a feminist, you're no feminist. You are patriarch adjacent. That's what you are. You're a misogynist. People get mad at me because I accurately say correct, actually very generic and marshmallow terminology for what I could say. But let's talk about this. That's where I've told my sons, I'm like, mistreatment of women and not honoring women as they are as men are called to do that's progressive men created feminism and then leftist women hijacked it even further and took it to what we have now because look at all the women speaking up against this it is one of those things where you have women who are on the left and women who are on the right that are actually coming together pushing back on this It's wild. Do you want to talk about being stripped of rights? Do you want to talk about being stripped of... Yes, rights. Protections for women. Hell yes, absolutely. You want to talk about being stripped of anything? This is what's doing it. Not killing babies on demand, supported by the taxpayer. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. (laughs) It's time for Florida Man. All right, first up. A Florida woman, Michelle Reynolds, told WSVN that she went downstairs one evening to make herself a snack. This is Saturday night. After she put her popcorn in the microwave, she, what? Popcorn in the microwave. She went to use the bathroom and opened the door and did a quick turnaround because she saw something in there and quickly shut the door. And that thing was an uninvited iguana, which almost sounds like a great band name of reptile uh, fans. The reptile was unable to find its way out of the toilet, so she had to call some. There's literally a company called Iguana Lifestyles, a wildlife removal service, because they have such an iguana issue. So he goes, this is the second one this week already. So he moved it from her john, and there you go. And they're not native. They're all over. They're not dangerous, but they can transmit salmonella, and they're just... How do you get an iguana in the toilet? I just... There are a lot of questions I have. All right, I am laughing out loud legitimately on this. Fox 5. So here's the headline. Chickens die every day, people. Florida man arrested for killing a neighbor's rooster, and he claims self-defense. In Jacksonville, a Florida man is facing animal cruelty charges after investigators say he killed his neighbor's pet rooster. Jacksonville resident James Nix said he was checking his mail in mid-May when the neighbor's rooster began attacking him. He goes, quote, I just check my mail and turn around and go, and I hear bang, 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 bang. And I turn around, and there's a chicken out there in the street. And I said, oh boy, here we go. Turn around, walk to my place, bang, 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 bang. And now the chicken's in my yard, and now its neck flares up. That is legit a direct quote nick said that he picked up a stick in the yard and tried to hit it in self-defense but with the rooster jumping at him he accidentally knocked the bird in the head killing it he says quote i didn't know to give it a 21 gun salute mouth to mouth you know call the chicken ambulance and he said that the the (laughs) he goes after the neighbor realized his chicken was missing Nick goes, the next thing you know, he calls the chicken police on me. And he goes, he says he doesn't understand why his neighbor called law enforcement on him over a dead rooster. His quote was, 
chickens die every day, people, at churches, at Popeyes, at Kentucky Fried Chicken. Really? This is my new favorite story. That's a real story. Uh, I don't think, does he need to be in jail? Because if the rooster was attacking him, does he need to be in jail or be, what? He is right. Have you ever tried to catch a chicken? Yes. Yeah, it's not easy. No. So he clearly was being attacked. Yeah, it's not easy to catch a chicken. And and Rooster's not going to let you just... I mean, he does have a face tattoo. Let's just establish this right now. James Nix does have a face tattoo. Yes, he looks a little bit like a young Robert De Niro in like one of his roles where... What is it where he stalked that one family? But, you know, he is right. Chickens do die every day, people. At KFC, Popeyes, everywhere. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Dana Lash's Absurd Truth Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This week on the Federalist Radio Hour. In some cases, this means getting the government out. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, it means asserting the government more where it needs to be asserted and, and where it's proper role has been, uh, you know, sort of pushed to the back burner uh, by, in many cases, Republican judges, Republican appointees, Republican policies and legislation. I'm Emily Jashinsky of The Federalist. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.